0: Hi, welcome to In the Pacha, where I, Sam Reinstein, have conversations with different educators about the weekly Torah portion. For this week's Pacha, Parsha Kitetse, we have John Liener. Hey, John.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Um, So obviously, since you live so close, um, I I, I know you fairly well, but uh, would you mind introducing yourself to everyone else?
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm uh, a rabbi for an organization called BASE, um, which is now a national movement that helps uh, engage um, people in their 20s and 30s to um, form Jewish communities through service. So um, organizing um, events where people can can give back to their communities um, through learning. So offering um a bunch of different Torah classes throughout the week and then also just opening our home on Shabbat holidays and for other um community events.
0: Cool. And uh and you just moved from Williamsburg to Crown Heights?
1: Yes. Uh, I I always need to be within close proximity of a Hasidic sect.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point you'll just move to Curiosity or something.
1: God willing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, okay. Um, so as usual, um, we're going to do a, um, uh, short summary of the Parsha. Um, this week's Parsha is particularly complicated for that. Um, but I'll try to do it in about 30 seconds. We'll see. Um, and then we'll have, we'll have some conversation about, about different parts of it. You ready? Wonderful. Great. Um, so Parsha Kitetse contains a whole lot of commandments, uh, 74 to be exact. Um, They include some ritual laws and some what I might call moral laws or sounding moral laws. Um, Some of these include obligation to bury the dead as soon as you can, requirement to return a lost object, prohibition against causing pain to animals, laws of marriage and divorce, building a fence around your roof, delaying paying wages, and the obligation to send away a mother bird before taking its chicks or eggs. I that's where I'm going to stop, just because there's 74 of them, and it's just like a long list of uh, of stuff. Um, so I particularly be interested, uh, John, to hear like what uh, what caught your eye, um, just because there's so much here.
1: <laughs> totally, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure this parsha has the most amount of mitzvahs in the in the entire Torah yeah. for any parsha.
0: Yeah, and I think it's by by a pretty long shot. Uh, I mean. If you're if you have 613, right, 74, like it's like one seventh or eighth of it, um, so that's obviously a lot,
1: <laughs> right. So not only is that like a, I would say a good piece of trivia, but I think it's highly significant on a religious level um, if you're understanding mitzvot as a way to really connect to to the divine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think. Kitate may get often overlooked since it's you know one of these summer parshas buried in here but um, I think with this amount of mitzvahs it it, it shows its importance for sure.
0: Right. And what, what do you mean? What do you mean by that in terms of um, using mitzvahs in order to connect to the divine? Do you mean um, like in terms of physically enacting them um, so to pay attention so you can do that? Yeah, totally. I mean, oh.
1: I think we I think mitzvot are one of these. Words and terms that we we hear so often, and we don't take enough time to really consider the deeper meaning behind them. And from uh, from how I understand it, um, it's doing mitzvot is a way of you know bringing godliness kedushah into the world. So if you're reading one parsha where there's you know, as you said, seventy four kind of portals to connectivity. Um, it it shows that there's a lot of different ways to to connect,
0: hmm. right? And like people can kind but of what make, I fa- yeah find each one.
1: But what I found most interesting, as you said, which is the vast majority of the of the mitzvot are dealing with um, moral or laws that are between man and his fellow, right? Um, which is really important in the sense of that. Um, the closer I think somebody comes to to another person, I think the Torah is saying they're also coming closer to God in that in that matter.
0: Huh? So, like, by almost by connecting to other people, you like how how do you think that works? Like, in-
1: yeah, like Rob Cook famously said, the more intense the quest for God is in a person's heart, the more the love for all people will grow in him. Mm. So, you know, people, I think, often um, belittle mitzvot that are interpersonal as saying, oh, they're chesed projects or they're, um, you know, they're they're good deeds. But I think this Parsha would make a a very good case that um, taking care of another human being, even, you know, somebody who you know, you, who dies from a capital punishment and maybe a disgusting person still has to be given certain, um, dignities.
0: Right. And then kind of like, that doesn't matter what, like, if, you know, if they lose an object, you need to return it to them. It kind of doesn't matter who they are, um, type thing.
1: Right. Like the, the example that the Torah gives in terms of how you have to, um, bury somebody quickly is not, you know, some righteous person in the community, but it's somebody who is put to death from oh. um, a capital penalty.
0: Oh, I see. Okay, right. So like, it doesn't matter. And and I guess we learn everyone else from that. But it doesn't right. matter who they are.
1: Right, if you're willing to do it, if you're commanded to do it for somebody um, of who does something like that, then I, I would say obviously you would do it for anybody else.
0: Right. I, I think that's fairly significant because I think, Frequently, sometimes you see, you know, almost like, oh, they deserve that um, type right. of talk after somebody something bad happens to somebody, um, and may um, I think what you're getting at is that that doesn't like very clearly that's not a Jewish thing to do. <laughs> um, like it doesn't matter even if they did deserve it. Like, um, like we still have extreme compassion on them, and we still need to take care of them.
1: Right. I mean, I, I, the way I understand it is that the Torah has a way of seeing each human being as being completely equal, um, as being unique, and of having infinite value. And those three values um, survive or are there no matter who the person is.
0: Right. Um, and, and here it's even forgetting about like if the person is different or not, it's, it's if the person is bad.
1: Totally. Um, I, I also think looking at the other mitzvot, um, so many of the people that the Torah is seeking to protect, I would say are the most vulnerable members or people in our society. Um, you know, the first one, which is definitely difficult for a, um, a modern reader, um, would be, um, you know the beautiful woman who is taken captive in war, right? That even that person is given um, some sort of—I um, don't know the word you want—has dignity that is bestowed on them. Um, you know, like, then we just talked about,
0: and even within this like kind of odd way of taking, or odd that um, like kind of like more ancient way of taking somebody, like even within that, you need to give dignity and compassion and all that.
1: Absolutely. Right. Um, then as we said, the hanging in the burial, like what's, what, who's more vulnerable than a dead person, right? right? Like you're, you're, they're, they're not going to know what you're going to do to them. So the fact that you're giving such respect, um, I think signals a lot to the vulnerability, the defamation of a married woman. Um, you also have somebody who charging interest. So you're not oppressing the poor, the worker's rights, dignity of the debtor, paying workers, um, protecting the refugee, the convert, the orphan, the widow, you have gifts to the poor, um, on honest, honest weights and measures. And then even the last mitzvah, which is, I think, um, also challenging for modern readers to eradicate a mulek, I think, is, um, rooted in this ironically, which is, you know, a mulek is known for, um, their cruelty. Um, so if, I, I read it on one level as t- towards like eradicating um, that sort of um, evil.
0: Interesting. So like, like, I mean, that's a, a super modern reading of uh, maybe even <laughs> a postmodern reading of, um, of like of destroying Amalek is. De- well,
1: who's Amalek? Right. If you read the Torah, what do we know about them? We know that they are people who, prey on the most vulnerable members, right? When we were leaving Egypt, they attacked the people in the back who are the women, children, and the elders.
0: And attacked them right as they're coming out, like right after they've just gone through something traumatic. And so they're like attacking people that are vulnerable for sure.
1: So yeah, yeah, definitely a, a modern read, but that I see a Malik as kind of the arch nemesis of the Jewish people because one of our distinguishing marks is to be a nation that is merciful, which runs pretty contrary to, I think, how a Mulik is portrayed in the torah
0: right interesting and so and it's almost like I mean, like in this Parsha, like all these things about protecting vulnerable people, it's not just being compassionate, but it's being compassionate towards um the people that you could very easily overlook
1: absolutely um especially um one of the one of those groups of people is um the escaped slave right the torah says that um, if a slave runs away and comes before you you have no not only do you not have a responsibility to return them you're not allowed to um return them to their owner um which i find fascinating right. um, i even think there's a gemara that talks about how Specifically, this is talking about a non-Jewish slave um, who flees to Israel.
0: Interesting. Okay. And so therefore, and even then, you're not allowed to send them back to... Right. So this is
1: a non-Jew, right? And um, I think also the Gemara discusses that, that that this slave can also become a Gertsedek and can attain full rights and really be seen as a, a citizen of Israel. Right. And mm-hmm. have protection and equal rights in that matter.
0: Right. I find I found that interesting also, because there's a, like another one in the Swiss Parsha is is returning lost objects. Right. So you'd think like it almost comes a little bit into conflict of re- of returning things to people that they lost. Um, here, you're not supposed to um, because it's there's a third person involved, I guess.
1: Right, I, I think this may be in response to that in, in the effect that don't get any ideas here that a person and an object um, are in no way comparable, right? You're obligated to return a loss animal of somebody else or what what any other object but a human being um doesn't fall into that um criteria Hmm. but again i think all of these all of these are um are really pushing us to become a more compassionate merciful um people um because this is really a distinguishing marker of of what what of what we're tasked to do, um, which I think we often um, forget. Right. I actually think the Rambam says um, that somebody who fails to, you know, give to the poor or to act on the vulnerable, you can challenge their um, their lineage. Their lineage, I think, he says, is suspect because. Cruelty is only, um, only a non-Jewish nation um, <laughs> could, could be so cruel.
0: Right. Um, if only that really played out <laughs> as much as we would hope. Um, but um, it's funny because I always, when I see somebody like really liking truant, it's like, they must be Jewish. Um, <laughs> but I guess this is a much nicer thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I, I'm pretty sure the Gemara in, in Yivamo says this, which I, which I've, always have found so powerful, which is there are three distinguishing marks of of the Jews. One is that they have rachmim, they're merciful. The other is that they're shamefaced, um, whatever that exactly means. Right. And the other is they perform acts of kindness. Mm. Um, so however, you know, we articulate our Jewishness in the modern world, I think the, the Gemara at least is giving a pretty clear picture of what it is that we should be known for. Right.
0: Right, and uh, I, 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 go back to something I, you mentioned, but didn't uh, really fill out. But kind of like the idea that this isn't really separate from like the religiosity. Like it's almost part of it. Um, it's like not separate from like let's say Kashrus, keeping kosher or keeping Shabbat. It's like it's a list of the commandments on equal footing. Like it's like part of the part of the thought. Um, I, I think frequently those two things are very, are felt as separate.
1: Yeah. And I don't know why that dichotomy is made between them. Um, maybe seeing the other is, is harder to accomplish, right? Keeping kosher for the most part, you have control over and it doesn't revolve around another human being. But I generally feel that in a lot of, um, more traditional spaces, the commandments that um, these sort of commandments are over, not overlooked, but they're not given the same amount of cover, the same amount of honor as, you know, the mitzvah of tefillah, for example, when the Torah really doesn't make any discrepancy between them. In fact, you know, the, the mitzvah to not oppress the gear and to love the convert comes up 36 times right. when Kashrut arguably only comes up three. Right.
0: Um. Yeah, I, I I've noticed that uh, specifically. I, I like gave a I gave a share not that long ago, a couple of months ago. Um, I was using like TV shows to talk about Torah topics. So there's an Office episode about about gossip. So I was like using that to like see like what how they were defining lashon and hara and how they were defining like you know what's not okay, what's not okay speech, and what's okay speech, and at, at the end. Um, a bunch of like three different people came over to me and said, you know, like we haven't had a shear on like a, on like an interpersonal topic in years. And it was just interesting because it's just not what, you know, it's like, I guess there's so many rules in things that we do in our own homes that it's sometimes very easy to just like forget to do that, even if it's every so often.
1: And this is what we're charged to do. I mean, I, I remember I was um, preparing meals for the homeless with, um, with a, a member of our community. And we're, we're chopping vegetables on a Sunday afternoon. And he's talking to me how he's such a terrible Jew because he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. And I looked at him and said, how could you say you're not a religious person? You're here you know, volunteering, feeding the hungry. Right. Um, who defines what a religious person is? Um, this has been a year where I've been deeply influenced by the writings of Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, And he famously said that um, a person cannot be religious and indifferent to other human beings' plight and suffering, right? Um, That a religious person has to be one who holds God and and man in one thought at one time, at all times. And I think that type of mentality is just, is lacking a lot of times within the Jewish community. Right.
0: And even if right. And I mean, I think in in that concept, it's like it's it's just again, it's like part of it. It's 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 that that person you were working with was being religious in that moment. Um, but it's part of like especially for almost especially for people that are consider themselves observants, however however you want to define that. Um but like those people specifically should be focused on this more um because there's like there's a whole seventy-four I mean not all these are, but you know, like all these mitzvot um that are so focused
1: on it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I love the uh the half Torah on on Yom Kippur um that we read on Shaq, right? Everybody's at shul, davening, um fasting, and Isaiah pretty much, not pretty much, he says it even more bluntly than I'll probably say it, which is, I don't need your fast, yeah. right? I don't care about your holidays. I don't care about Shabbat. I don't care about your sacrifice. All I want you to do is take care of the most vulnerable people. Oh. Yeah. That, you know. And if I say that, right, it's, <laughs> it's ultra-liberalism, yeah. but Isaiah said it before right, me, right. so I feel I have... <laughs>
0: Right. But I, I I don't, I'm at least I would hope that we can say that those things don't aren't specifically the Torah here is saying that those things don't conflict, right? Those things are part of the same thing. Um, that, that like the fast is important too, but it's missing its focus if you're not doing the, you know, helping out. The
1: fast is of no importance that if you leave Shul after Yom Kippur, and you know, pass somebody on the street who's who Oof. who needs right. a meal, right. right? Like what is it that you've just done that you're you're not able, capable of seeing the, the suffering of another human being? And I think I think the maybe I think the Mishnah Burra says that true, or fasting has has nothing accomplishes nothing unless real teshuva also comes as a result mm-hmm. of that. Right.
0: Uh, beautiful. Um, any, any other thoughts to add on that idea
1: or? Um, I, 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 no, okay. I think yeah. that I, yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, so something that I, uh I was thinking about um just because partially for the same idea that I was just noticing is this weird mix of like religious and non-religious and, and like, I don't really Religious, non-moral, and religious moral um, laws, and I saw one time where they—I felt like they were connected. Um, at one point, you're told to put a maka on your on your roof to put a fence around your roof, um, mm-hmm. presumably so that no one will fall down, um, and that kind of makes sense on like a practical level. Um, but it's preceded by this mitzvah of shiluach haken, or shiluach hakan, I should say, um, to like shoe away the mother bird when you're taking their eggs. Um and on on the law of, of the fence, um so the midrash tells us, the midrash in Tanhuma um tells us that there's this idea of mitzvah gereret mitzvah and our avera gereret aveira. Um this idea of one mitzvah leads to another and one bad de- one sin leads to another. Uh, so what I first didn't really understand is like how those two things are connected. Like on some level, I guess you shoo away the mother bird. Eventually, um, you get those eggs, you sell them, you're a, you, you're, you're living longer because that's what the Torah tells us happens and you're able to afford a house and you buy it. And then you're able to build the fence and then, you know, you have a garden and then you're able to do the laws in the garden Um, So I I get that sense in practical terms, um, but I was trying to think of like what what that means in a more, I guess, religious sense, um, just because I feel like sometimes this idea of one thing leads to another can sometimes put people um, to do like irrational things, like trying to stop very small things um, so that nothing ever happens in the future. Um, And it can make people crazy sometimes. Like I'm talking about like the slippery slope idea. Um, and not that there is never a slippery slope, but I feel like, um, sometimes that's taken so far. Um, so I don't know. I, I was like trying to think of like, cause I think here the, the Torah is trying to say that a little bit, um, is saying like,
1: yeah, I, I see it similarly in the sense of like, if you're starting to show, you know, mercy on a bird, right. By, by shooing the mother away before you take the nest. Um, I think in terms of mitzvah, gerer, mitzvah, this would be an example, r- r- meaning like now you're building your house. Um, you're going to take, I-, I think you're going to be looking more closely to find ways of, um, protecting other people. Right. And in the most basic way to do that is by making sure somebody doesn't fall off the roof. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you could arguably say, this is my roof. I don't, need to do anything i don't you know people should be careful where they're going but this is a pretty strong statement in terms of responsibility and protecting the other
0: um so i I saw a little piece in Ruf hirsch um ruf thompson or fall hirsch um my favorite to uh like it's actually on this this idea is repeated in perkyo vote so this is in his commentary to perkyo um but he actually says it like I don't know. I I thought of it in a more practical way. He says it in a very different way. Um, I'm reading a translation, but the good that you do will lead to more good. And every act of duty done bears its own reward. The knowledge that you have done the will for your father in heaven will bring you closer to him. It will enrich your spirit with the happy awareness of having done the right thing and reinforce your moral capacity to do good. The reverse is true of sin. Do not underestimate the consequences of even the most trivial wrong. So, I, I, on some level, what he's trying to say is, it's not that it will it will practically happen. It's that if you're worrying about the mother bird, when you buy a house, you'll you'll your first thought will be, is it safe? Right? And if you do that, your first thought will be, when you see somebody on the street, you know, are they safe? Are you know what I mean? Like you, you kind of like enrich yourself, um, and the more good you do, the better person you are. More so, and the more bad you do, the worse you are, um, in like a personality sense.
1: Yeah, I think it's like once you start seeing people or even animals um, more clearly, right? Like once you open your open up to that. Idea of helping, it becomes really difficult. I find it to then to then ignore it, right. right? And the reverse is also true. Like if there are days when you're just so closed off from the world um, and the other person that it, it it does become easy to just continuously miss opportunities um, to help somebody.
0: Right. And, and I think this is true on like the religious sense too, because I see it all the time, right? The the more kind of If you want to become more, more observant, right? So the easiest way to do that is just to start doing some things. Um, I see people that are very like worried about like I don't really know how to keep Shabbos, so why am I doing this one thing? It's like, like kind of like a it it increases your capacity to do it. um, The more you kind of like
1: yeah, you need some momentum, right?
0: um and that momentum is real and the rashi actually quotes this idea twice um in the Swiss parsha um here and much earlier as well um to kind of say this concept um that like the more the more good you do the more good you do kind of thing
1: yeah i love it um
0: but i i, I don't know i was thinking about that that slippery slope idea and i feel like here this concept makes it important for if you want to do anything that's either different or feels like it might do that it's like radically important to i feel like if you have that in mind you're able to or at least theoretically could be able to hold the line um that if you want to, whatever line you want line you want to hold um because yeah you kind of have to understand like if you're thinking about things in a serious way you'll continue to think about things in a serious way kind of thing
1: totally i i I actually just thought about this also the maybe the subversiveness also which is i believe the the mitzvah of the shooing away the mother bird was what um saw Mm -hmm. right in the gemara he sees um a son who's asked by his father to go shoo away the mother bird. So he's going to simultaneously accomplish the two mitzvot that the Torah promises for long right. life. And then he right. dies, right? He fought the ladders breaks and he dies. And I think it's the, witnessing that um, ironically or painfully is what um, doesn't allow Acher to continue doing mitzvot.
0: Right, it's almost like seeing, or being part of. Oh, specifically this idea in this week's question. Interesting. It kind of right. leads to other stuff. Um, ah, and I, honestly, I think that expands it a little bit. It's seeing religious. Maybe it even relates to the first part. Um, seeing religious people not to act, not acting compassionately, you know, has more of an has an effect on them, as Rofersh would say or as Ralph Cook would say, yeah, but like more than that, it has an effect on the people witnessing it um, because maybe mits the idea of one mitzvah leading to another, or one sin leading to another—isn't just personal, but it's across person. You know, like you, s- other people see you. It rubs yeah, off yeah, exactly. on people.
1: Yeah, yeah. When when we create a climate of of doing mitzvot and helping other people, it it, it becomes contagious. Mm-hmm. I think largely.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, try and create a contagion of good, I guess. Amen. Yeah. Um, and any, any last thoughts?
1: Thank you for okay. having me yeah. on here. This was wonderful.
0: Um, th- thank you so much for being on. Uh, for those listening, um, you can follow Base Brooklyn on, you could probably just Google that or um, or on Facebook. Um, they're doing lots of cool things in Grand Heights um, and they're right near Congregation Co-Israel. In Brooklyn as well.
1: We just became so members. there.
0: You go. Uh, <laughs> um, so you can check out all that. Um, lots of stuff going on, obviously, in this month. Um, and for those listening, uh, pay attention for next episodes of In the Botcha.